When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. The Eagles win, so why do they seem so unhappy? I'm ready to play. Let's make a deal. We got KOD picks. We got a little baseball, and it was Hembo's anniversary, so God help us all. It's a football Friday. Let's do it. Here we go. Go, go. Only one place to start. Hurts looks. He is going deep for Smith, who has it. 20, 10. Obviously, we didn't play our cleanest game. We're 2-0, and a lot of teams would like to be sitting at 2-0. Well, I think that's really the perfect way to frame the story to begin this football Friday as week two of the NFL schedule began last night in Philadelphia. Vikings and Eagles, Philly, a six-point winner in a game. They had a big lead. And the good news is it's sort of a Charles Dickens kind of start to the season for the Philadelphia Eagles. It's the best of times, it's the worst of times, which is to say they're 2-0. That's awesome. The worst part of it is they just don't look right, and one wonders if that's going to change. Graziano, you look skeptical. No, I mean, you're right, but I mean, 2-0 is 2-0. The issue with the Eagles is, like, they're not thinking about how to beat the Minnesota Vikings in Week 2. They're thinking about are we in shape to – to beat the AFC champion in, in February in Las Vegas. Right? Like, that's that's their goal. So I think they're holding themselves to a higher standard, even as they're having success. And last night yeah, and, and last Sunday, they didn't look like themselves. They didn't look like we're used to them. But I, I think that speaks to the issue of, I don't think this year is going to go as smoothly for them. And that's not necessarily even their fault. They've already had injuries. They were one of the healthiest teams in the league last year. They had a soft schedule last year. They're not going to have that this year. So uh, I think they know all of this, and they just sort of want to make sure that they're in, in shape to handle it. And there were times last night and times on Sunday against the Patriots where they didn't feel that way about themselves. It's great that they came out with the win, but they know they have stuff to fix. Graziano and Tannenbaum sticking around with me after we finish Get Up. One of the points that I'll make here, look, anyone would kill to have their problems. You're 2-0, all your problems seem markedly different than they do if you're 0-2. But the reality is there was an ele- sort of a fortunate element to last night's game. Minnesota's going down there at the end of the half. The, the whole game is different. Justin Jefferson extends sure. the ball on the inside the one-yard line. They wind up with that terrible rule where the ball turns over and it comes out to the 20, and then Philly goes down and kicks a 61-yard field goal, completely flips the game. And the first week, there was some crazy early turnovers by the Patriots on a sloppy track. I'm not taking anything away from them. I'm merely saying that from the word go, and maybe this is the point Graziano was making, from the word go last year, the Eagles were the best team. They were the best team in the NFC from essentially the kickoff of week one, and it never changed. Through two games this year, it just doesn't look quite as good. Yeah, Greedy, I think that's right. And on the show today, we we talked a lot about this sort of discussion, argument, whatever, on Nick Sirianni and A.J. Brown. And that's going to happen more because Brian Flores, defensive coordinator of the Vikings, he showed you what a lot of teams were thinking is, we're going to defend the pass. We're going to double these two great receivers. And we'd rather have DeAndre Swift with the ball than A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith 
And that's going to test their patience. And A.J. Brown was not very patient last night. And to me, you know, working with Rex Ryan for so many years, he used to talk about when we play the Patriots, hey, every time they run the ball, that's one less time Tom Brady could pass it. And watching the game last night, that was kind of going through my mind. Like Brian Flores was saying, every time DeAndre Swift runs it, who was running it effectively, that's one less time they could throw it. So I think it's apples to oranges. It hasn't looked good. I totally agree. But if I'm Nick Sirianni, like what's the next move now in this chess match? I think, you know, A.J. Brown was impatient, but the Eagles as a team and as an offense were patient. And they did take what was there. And, and, and by the way, which was a lot in the run game, obviously DeAndre Swift comes up 175 rushing yards. Uh, you take that every single week. So it speaks to their own confidence in themselves, their, their beliefs. I mean, look, the two new coordinators, we've talked about this, right? So they're, they're still putting some stuff together. First-time play caller on offense that you got to work out you know, some of the bugs, there's no question about it, but I, I think it speaks to the leadership and, and, and Jalen Hurts being such a big part of that, right? Like the, the, the sort of steadiness of a player like that and a personality like that at the center of it all. I think if you're the Eagles, not only having won the two games where you didn't play your best, but also knowing how much foundationally you have to rely on based on last year and based on who your quarterback is, I think that gives you a lot of confidence going forward, even as you address some problems that may not have been there last year. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. On the other side, the Vikings fall to 0-2, and it's a really interesting scenario because – I've never seen a team win 13 games in a season and get less credit or respect for it than the Vikings did a year ago. And then they weren't able to prove anybody wrong by by getting beat up in their own building by the Giants in their only playoff game. And now they start out at 0-2. And I feel that some of their offseason actions, and, and, and Mike T., you as a former GM could correct me if I'm getting any of this wrong, by going into this season – without giving Kirk Cousins any, but changing his contractual situation at all, meaning he has no guaranteed money on his deal left after this year, that feels like a statement to me that they view themselves as a team in transition. They let Dalvin Cook go. This is a team that is going to build around uh, Justin Jefferson and maybe a new young quarterback. They're 0-2. We went through their schedule. It's tough. I could see a world in which they are 2-4, and 2-5, in that world, is there any conceivable chance they would be willing to trade Kirk Cousins, if he's willing to go because he does have a no-trade clause, to a desperate quarterback-needy team that is otherwise 100% Super Bowl-ready? And I think everyone knows which team I'm talking about. Yeah, 100% green. Those are all great points. In the NFL, it's not what you say, it's what you do. That's why I found what Robert Solid said this week, so disingenuous about we believe in Zach Wilson. If that was the case, why is Aaron Rodgers in the building? But <laughs> as it relates to the Minnesota Vikings, absolutely. Because if they believed in Kirk Cousins, if they thought he could take him to where they want to go, they would have extended him. That that's, happens 100% of the time. When you, your quarterback's in the building, I mean, we've already had Jerry Jones come out and say, hey, we're going to address Dak Prescott's contract at the end of the year when he has one year left to go. So absolutely, they moved on from Adam Thielen, long time, productive wide receiver, Zadarius Smith, Dalvin Cook. So absolutely, the handwriting is on the wall. So if I'm the Vikings, can I rebuild on the fly and maybe squeeze an extra pick or two out of the Jets because they're so desperate? I'm having those conversations with ownership today because I'm maybe two weeks away from you know making that decision. So if my head coach and owner are on board and I say, hey, we got Jordan Addison, we got Justin Jefferson, we got to go get a quarterback – 
next year looks really good, about five or six first-round quarterbacks. If we have a one in something else, yeah, I think that can make sense for Minnesota. I sometimes wonder if, like, if there's a circumstance where a team is better than it wanted to be. Like, the Vikings' new head coach, new GM last year, and they inherit Kirk Cousins, and they're probably thinking about a long-term plan that probably doesn't involve him, right? And then they go 13-4, and four, and, and they, they were 11-1 and one in one-score games, and they're 0-2 in one-score games already this year. Like, right. that stuff evens out. They weren't as good as their record last year, but, you know, obviously that, that lands them in a situation where they kind of can't tear it down and rebuild. They did make some rebuildish kind of moves this offseason, but uh, they go into this season expecting and hoping to contend. 13-win team that gave up more points than it scored. Like, that's literally never happened before in the mm-hmm. history of the league. So, so I wonder what the Vikings are thinking about their future and how involved Kirk Cousins is in that. My understanding is no decisions yet on 2024. Cousins is an option. Like, it, it, he likes it there, and if they like him and there's not a better option staring them in the face, they could bring him back. But for the first time since he got there, his contract affords them the flexibility if they want to move on. Remember, he got there, it was fully guaranteed, and then they had to extend him because of all that. So it's the first time they're really going to have an option. And if they, if they fall out of the race early, I mean, it would be foolish at least not to take it for a spin, right, and see what you could get for a viable, not a viable, a good starting quarterback in a league where, where teams are often scrambling for them. Greedy, Dan makes a really good point from this standpoint. Next year, Kevin O'Connell being his third year, and now he has to juxtapose and say, hey, here's Kirk Cousins at 36 in 2024, and here's Quinn Ewers, Shador Sanders, and all these other first-rounders. Who gives us the best chance to win? And that's certainly the calculus that them and a few other teams are going to have. And that's why, like, this is a really interesting conversation because if I'm Minnesota and maybe I could squeeze a good young player, I'm making this up, maybe it's a third-round pick and Jermaine Johnson. But if I'm the Jets and I feel like I'm one player away, I'm probably going to pay a price a little bit more than I want to, but that's the tax you pay given what happened. The Jets won't have a second-round pick next year. That will wind up going to Green Bay in the Aaron Rodgers trade. It won't be the first-round pick. It otherwise could have been if Rodgers had played 65% of the snaps. Greeny and Graziano and Tannenbaum are here. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs. For protection on the road and on the water, see how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and progressive.com. One more thing. When you mentioned Shadur Sanders, it kind of triggered my thought. Um... Deion Sanders is so overwhelmingly the talk of this college football season. And what he's done there in Colorado is remarkable. And I've said on this show many times, I think transformational. I think he is going to be considered the beginning of college football 3.0. That said, we all know that when people have success, everyone else is trying to look at it. Mike T, this just jumped into my head. Mm. Is the NFL going to be interested in him? I'm not trying to run him out of town in Boulder when he's only coached two games. But is the NFL going to be interested in Deion Sanders as a coach? 100%. And here's why, Greeny. He is actually old school in a lot of his principles, but relatable in a very new school way, embracing social media in a historic way with five national shows out there. So absolutely, he checks every box. And to his credit, you know, Bart made a comment about, you know, maybe Jay Norvell was jealous of, like, his success and, you know, skipping things. But he didn't. He went to Jacksonville State. He didn't leave broadcasting to go to Colorado he paid his dues and he's won at that level obviously he's doing great at Colorado so if the three of us were running an NFL team and we were putting the attributes on the board of you know leadership accountability having hard conversations expertise 
He checks all those boxes. Now, look, it probably doesn't work in every organization. Do I see him being the head coach of the New York Giants? Probably not. But if you're a team like Arizona, let's say, if things don't work out there for whatever reason, like he could be transformational in the NFL just like he is in Boulder. What do you think of it, Danny? That's the word, right, transformational. Because, I mean, like a lot of times if you're hiring a coach in the NFL, you're looking for someone who's got a little bit of a, a program builder right uh, reputation and he's clearly developed that he went to jackson state proved he could coach i I think you know obviously no one knew he could do uh, he believed it but no one knew he could coach until until we saw him do it and now he goes to colorado and the impact he's had on not just that school and that program but the entire landscape i mean how do you not pay attention to that if you're if you're an nfl team that's thinking about you know doing something different at head coach And, and how do you not consider what he could mean to your locker room, to your players, uh, what he could do in terms of making you a desirable destination for free agents to go. I mean, like, I, I, I think it checks every – Mike is absolutely right. Checks every box, and he listed like half a dozen boxes. There's probably 20 more boxes he checks. Like that, that – I mean, it's just – I don't know what will happen. I don't know what he wants to do. But, yes, I do think we're in a situation here where maybe as early as this coming January, you will see an NFL team try and, and at least make an inquiry uh, to see what's involved in that. Greedy, here's another interesting thing that you bring up, which is if you're a free agent and you're trying to enhance your stature, I mean, just think about all the players that would want to play for him for, like, for less dollars, you know, it gives you a market advantage from that standpoint. Yeah, he's he's idolized by so many young players, I think, in a way that almost no uh, players from his generation still are. He's one of the few that has that kind of lasting aura about him. The only thing I'll say is, like, college football is now becoming free agency without a salary cap. Right. The NFL is free agency with a salary cap. So in college, if everyone wants to play for you, they literally all can. That, that was Nick Saban for a long time. Like right. He had an advantage. Right. He had more first-round picks at Alabama than he did in the NFL. When, when Urban Meyer went to Jacksonville, one of the things I remember someone saying to me was, and obviously that turned out to be a huge disaster for a number of reasons, but uh, w- how is Urban going to handle it when he realizes he can't get all the players he wants, right? Like, that's, that's a very different thing. But again, like, you know, who's to say Deion Sanders, the coach, is not adaptable, right? Like, he, he certainly knows the NFL, uh, so I, I think it's fascinating. I mean, it's absolutely incredible the extent to which he's just exploded onto the scene here, and, and I think he's just going to continue to having an impact uh, on multiple levels of the game. Me too. I hope he wins by 50 tomorrow. I really do. Graziano and Tannenbaum, awesome day today. Thank you. Enjoy the football weekend. Oh, yeah. Graz is off. He's got uh, Bengals I'm on to Cincinnati. They, uh, you and Bill Belichick <laughs> on to Cincinnati. As we continue in a moment, one of the most tragic statistics you could ever imagine for one team, spoiler alert, It's the Chicago Bears, and it's next on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call ClickGranger.com or just stop by. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Greeny, the podcast. The Philadelphia Eagles have beaten the Minnesota Vikings 34-28. 7-1 in turnovers lost in two games, and we've lost by a combined nine points to two playoff teams. So clearly I've got to coach it better. So that's the Vikings side of last night. We talked about the Eagles not getting off to the kind of start they would like. Well, they're 2-0. The Vikings have certainly not gotten off to the kind of start they would like. They're 0-2. Before we dive into that, there is a stat that I just mentioned that was floating around that is just incredible. And I think it, it speaks to the greatness of the young star Justin Jefferson, but it speaks even more loudly about the century of misery for the Vikings rival, Chicago Bears. Hembo is with me here. Hembo, Justin Jefferson now has more career receiving yards than anyone in the Bears' history. The Bears have been around for more than 100 years. Justin Jefferson is 24 years old. He has 5,134 yards receiving. Johnny Morris, who was, by the way, when I got to Chicago, was a legendary sports announcer. He worked at the uh, Channel 2, the CBS affiliate, uh, the owned and operated station in Chicago for years and was sort of a Chicago legend and a terrific player in his day in the 60s. He's their all-time franchise leader with just over 5,000 yards. Justin Jefferson has caught more yards worth of passes than anyone in the history of the Bears, and he's 24 Years old. Speaking of the Bears' futility, do you happen to know? So that's yardage. Do you happen to know who has caught the most passes for the Bears in their history? I mean, I've, I feel like I want to say it could be Walter Payton. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it, just because I'm trying to think of people who played there a long time. There are just very few receivers who've played there a long time. They had good receivers in the 80s when they were winning Super Bowls. They had Willie Galt and they had Dennis McKinnon. Um, but they've really, if you go back over the history of it, there have been very few receivers that, that stand out for the Bears that you can even think of. Yeah, Walter Payton's first. Matt Forte, another running another back. Another running back. Second. That's pathetic. Then it's Johnny Morris. Then Curtis Conway and then Marty Booker. Curtis Conway was there. Also felt like he was there for a cup of coffee. He was the first round pick when I was covering the team. How many years does it say? How many years did Curtis Conway play for the Bears? He was there for seven seasons. Yeah, that's not that long. By the way, Mike Ditka, who retired in 1966, or who played for the Bears last in 1966, he still ranked sixth. Yeah. 
All time. Yeah. My goodness. I, I mean, actually, oh, if God. I had thought of Dick, I might have guessed him first. <laughs> anyway, that's tragic uh, for the Bears. It is uh, another indication of just how brilliant Justin Jefferson is. And the Vikings, look, I mean, life tends to work like this. When you win all these one-score games, there's a law of averages that says it's going to even out. So you just heard their coach, Kevin O'Connell, saying, look, we turned the ball over time and time and time again and yet we only lose these two games by a combined nine points. Football is that way in this day and age, right? The ball bounces one way or the other. Your receiver lets it slip out of his fingers six inches shy of the goal line, and the whole game is completely different. So the Vikings are close. The problem is, last year, they had a record that would suggest they were close, and no one really thought they were. So in what direction is Minnesota really going? The wrong one. Most definitely the wrong one. I I think it is highly likely that this is the last of Kirk Cousins we will see there. My best guess is that he'll spend the whole season there, become a free agent, and be someone else's quarterback next season. But the even more interesting element to this conversation is the Justin Jefferson of it all, who I think is probably... He's the best wide receiver that I have seen with my own two eyes, I think, since Calvin Johnson. I think he is remarkably gifted. I think he's a Hall of Fame wide receiver, and the numbers so far make that clear and obvious, at least based on the trajectory that he's on. But he hasn't signed that second contract yet. And if they're going to enter a rebuild, right now they have no quarterback on their roster worth his salt after Kirk Cousins. And, we can even, I mean, and Cousins, frankly, is an average player. Jefferson's still putting up that, those numbers with Kirk Cousins. Might they trade Justin Jefferson, whether it be this season or more likely in the offseason, if they totally blow this thing? Well, if, if they trade Justin Jefferson, look... I mean, that's the team that once upon a time acquired Herschel Walker in a legendary trade from the Cowboys. They've been on the other side of one of these enormous deals. But with the value of wide receivers in this day and age, you better get a king's ransom for Justin Jefferson. He was in the zone again last night, 11 more catches in the zone, brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone with AutoZone. Let's talk about this for a minute. A couple of things coming out of that game. Let me bring Bubba and Cam in here. Bubba, we talked the other day about a rule, if you could make some kind of rule change, what rule would you change? Remember we talked about that? I forget what instigated that conversation. Why right. did we talk about that? Why did that come up? Was Because there... of Larry David. Oh, because <laughs> that's, right. <laughs> that's right. Because Larry David wanted to take kickers out of football. He said that to our buddy Rich Eisen. Okay, fair enough. So it might have been sort of a strange jumping off point. But, it, but it, we did start getting into what would be reasonable rule changes that you would make in the sport if you just could wave a magic wand and make the change. And the one I would immediately make, and for the life of me, I don't know why this is the rule, is the one on the Justin Jefferson play last night. For anyone who didn't see the game, you know exactly what play I'm talking about. Justin Jefferson catches a ball. He's running in. He's trying to score. He's extending his arm towards the goal line. He's probably certainly less than a yard short of the goal line, maybe much less when the ball starts to bobble in his hands, he does not have control of it. When it actually breaks the plane, it rolls out of bounds, meaning out the side of the end zone, and boom, it's a touchback for the other team. This completely changed last night's game. This comes right at the end of the half. Eagles get it. They make a couple of quick plays and kick a 61-yard field goal, and that is a 10-point swing that completely changes the tenor of the game. And if you're looking at the final score of the game last night and you didn't watch it, don't pay attention to the fact that it was a six-point game. Philly wound up going up by three touchdowns in the third quarter. So 
that completely changes the game. And for the life of me, first of all, does anyone have the explanation of why they have that rule? Like, what is the why? Why is that the rule? Well, the reason it is the rule is because people could at least theoretically fumble intentionally to gain more yardage. But it sounds like what you're saying is the rule would be much better written if, let's say, that happens and the Vikings just get the ball on their own, say, two-yard line, right? That's what you want instead? Well, you could have, look, there was the legendary play, the Holy Roller, where Ken Stabler purposely fumbled and Dave Casper purposely kicked it forward and he scored a touchdown to win a game at the end. And you can't do that anymore. And on any other play on the field, there are 99 and a half other yards uh, on, on a football field where if you fumble the ball out of bounds, it just comes back to where you fumbled it from. So it seems to me you could do a lot of things. If someone fumbles the ball into the end zone from the one yard line you could just bring it back to where they fumbled it from I'm not talking about if the ball is recovered by the other team obviously but if, if you fumble the ball and it goes out of, if I fumble the ball on the 37 yard line and I fumble it forward to the 40 yard line they're not giving us the ball on the 40 yard line the ball comes back to the 37 why do we do that in the end zone let's play this out then so do you care at all so in this case Justin Jefferson fumbled basically on his own accord but if you're a defensive player, let's say an Eagles corner had punched that ball out of the back of the end zone right. and forced the fumble in that way. Does that change anything for you? No, because it doesn't change it anywhere else on the field. If you, fall, if you force a fumble, if you're a defender and you, force, you cause me to fumble and the ball goes out of bounds, it's not your ball. It's the ball of the team who possessed it last. Just like it should be. Now, if you want to make a change in the end zone for whatever reason you want to, then... At worst, at absolute most penal, what it should be is the ball comes out to the 20, but the offense should keep it. You're giving the other team the ball. That that is a disproportionate reaction, a disproportionate result to the play. And I I agree with you that it also also disincentivizes offensive players from trying trying to do what we we should want, from doing a, a good thing. And I'm not comfortable with that either. To me, like... I understand why the rule is in place, I guess. No, I don't. Why? I, if you understand it, tell me. No, I mean, I, try, I previously just tried to explain it to you. Like, it, it, but that it goes, doesn't explain it anything. It rolls out the back. They don't have an explanation aside from this is the rule. Some, there are plenty of rules in sports where this is the rule because we've always done it this way and this is the rule. But let me give you, let me give you some advice. You are a parent of two very young children. Uh, Michelle and uh, the other one. Mm, Charlotte. Uh, 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 allegedly. But anyway, the point is, there's going to come a time where they're going to start asking you questions. They're going to question your authority. This is going to happen. And I'm telling you right now, a terrible answer to the question, why do we do this, is because I say so. That is not good parenting. If you, if you respond to a lot of things with, because I say so, your children will have less and less respect for you as time goes on because when they get old enough, they'll figure out this guy actually doesn't know what he's talking about. And that's what's happening here. If the answer is because I say so, the N- hey, NFL, why is that the other team's ball at the 20? The answer ha- cannot be because I say so or because we've always done it that way. Those are two terrible answers. This is a case in which I happen to agree with you. I'm looking at the rule book right now and no explanation is provided. I've read articles. Read to the which, rule. Read it to me. If a ball is fumbled in the field of play and goes forward into the opponent's end zone and over the end line or sideline, a touchback is awarded to the defensive team. It's very straightforward. That's it. But there is no... That's but, it. There's, there's, no, there's no explanation but, of anything No, else. no, no. And keep in mind, though, like the NFL has a competition committee 
for which things like this come to the table on occasion, and this rule has not been changed. So this is clearly not a priority for teams or for owners or for the league. Do I think it should be? Yes, but it also happens so infrequently that perhaps it's tabled because it's not something that happens all the time. It doesn't happen that infrequently. It's not like that's something that happens once every five years. It happens. That happens several times a season, Let me ask you. Well, let me ask you a question then for something that happens more frequently. Go. Would you rather get rid of this rule and rewrite it the way that you just described, or... Eliminate the tush push, the ability for a quarterback to be to, to sneak and, ha- and be pushed by whomever on his team wants to push. I, I've always co- thought of it as the Bush push because Reggie Bush pushed Matt Leinart into the end zone in a, game, a legendary USC Notre Dame game. Now, look, I don't like that either. That used to be illegal. So to be clear what we're talking about here, the Eagles scored two touchdowns doing this last night. It looks like rugby. I don't even know rugby, but this is when I close my eyes and think of rugby, I think of those plays. Jalen Hurts takes the snap from center. Two running backs are lined up right behind him. The offensive line starts pushing forward, and the two running backs just run up behind him and shove forward as hard as they can. That used to be thoroughly illegal in the NFL. I have no idea why they decided to change it and make it legal, maybe because it was very hard to to legislate. I, I don't know what the thinking was on that, but I hate that too. And Bart Scott said, you're going to get these guys hurt. You don't want to get the quarterbacks hurt. But so, the only answer to that is for someone to come, a defender, a linebacker, to take off from like five yards deep and just come racing over and leap over the top of the pile and try and smash the quarterback in the head. You have no other chance. They got multiple people pushing him from behind. It's an almost indefensible play, and it sucks. It's not fun to watch. It's just awful. It feels as you're watching it, it feels totally unfair. I hate that, too. I hate the other rule more, but I hate that, too. Question for you. So the Eagles have tried that 37 times with Jalen Hurts over the last two seasons. Meaning trying to gain a first down or a touchdown. On that play. Right. But my point is not all touchdowns. It, sometimes Correct. it's like third and one Correct. or something. So first yeah. down or touchdown. They've attempted 37 uh, of those. We'll call them push sneaks. How many of those 37 do you think they have converted successfully? 37. They're 35 for 37. 35. Like you said, it's it's nearly unstoppable. It's terrible. I hate it. It doesn't really feel like football as it's supposed to be. No, because it isn't football as it is supposed to be. Here's my question. Why didn't the competition committee, after seeing how the Eagles exploited this rule last year, change it? They brought it forth and and there weren't enough votes. Why, Why does Radio Shack ask for your phone number when you buy batteries? I don't know the answer to that question. Radio Shack? Does that, does that store still exist? I don't know. That's a Seinfeld line. My oh, point okay. is there's some things that are just inexplicable. Bubba, help me with this. Why is the Justin Jefferson play so penal? I mean, it is like the worst thing that can possibly... What the hell is going on back in the studio? <laughs> For the first time today, they have popped up on television, our crew. Oh, I think I've got it. So Bubba and Cam are both wearing hats and sunglasses, I'm guessing, in solidarity with Deion Sanders. Is that what's going on here? We love you, Deion. We're rooting for you. Yeah, I like it. (laughs) Bubba, that's the thinking here? I'm just I'm just here to work. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Bubba. They always talk about us. They're always calling us out. It's so, I'm sick of it. All we do is work our asses off and come into work, and we're going to beat Colorado State by 35. Now, they made it personal. That, I love it. So, so they are, for those of you who can't see this, we'll get a picture of it up as quickly as we can talking on Instagram. a lot of bull junk. It's, it's bull junk. I love the bull junk phrase. But but Bubba, so, so Cam is wearing a white baseball cap backwards with very large headphones and what looks to me like like a Hawaiian shirt yeah. and sunglasses, which is, I don't know, 
it works better than what Bubba has going on because Bubba is wearing a Met hat. He's wearing a Dak Prescott jersey. Bubba looks like Bobby Valentine when he was in disguise <laughs> in the dugout. He looks just like it. Perfect. What does he look like? I'm trying to place what Bubba looks like. He looks he looks like a fraudulent fan because no person should root for both of those teams at the same I, time. I look like a, a tourist coming to America. <laughs> he does. He's going to go see the Statue of Liberty this afternoon. I, I've heard about America. I've heard you've all so so anyway. Okay, I like that. But let's go. Let me but, but let me not get sidetracked from what I thought was a pretty interesting discussion. <laughs> Bubba, can yeah. you help me with this? Or, or Cam, can either of you give me a reason why you think either of those rules make sense? Uh, I, I cannot. I'm with you on both both ones. I would get rid of the push, and, and the fumble rule makes no sense. I, I don't understand a reason other than that's just the way it's always been and because I told you so. So I can't understand. If, I, if you want to say it goes back to the 20, I can live with that. I understand. So there's at least a little bit of a, a penalty. That's okay. But apart from that, I can't come up with a reason other than, hey, it's the way it's always been. We're going to go with it. I hate it. Uh, Cam, what do you got? On the push, it's a rule, and not every other team can do it as successfully as the Eagles. So I, I there's so much uproar about, like, this is unfair, this is unfair. Why doesn't every team have 35 out of 37% success rate on this play? They have an amazing offensive line. They have a quarterback who squats 600 pounds. And he gets low enough that I don't think I'm too concerned about injury. They like basically burrow him under the offensive linemen who are pushing forward. It's an ugly play, but it's a successful play for a reason because they have the tools to do it. Not every other team can do it the same way they can, so I don't think it's quite as un, you know, unfair as people say it is. Okay, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you that. That is a good explanation, which is to say that not everyone can do it. They can do it. Don't laugh at them. I know it's hard to have a serious conversation when the two of them look the way they look right now. But We look do, great. Do your best to stay in it because it's a good discussion that the ego, the one rule is the same for everybody and it sucks. I think we all agree that the touchback on the pylon sucks. I hate it and they need to change it. The Eagles... Are, are taking advantage of something that is legal that they can do better than almost anyone else or maybe anyone else can do, that I actually take that as an argument that I sort of buy. For sure. I mean, right, the Eagles, this is effectively a, a cheat code for them. Like, what baseball did last year was abolish the shift because there were certain teams that just got so good at it that it ruined baseball in some sense. So the NFL might decide that this is the kind of thing over the course of time that we should get rid of because we adjust the rules as teams take advantage of you know, whatever the circumstances are. Cam, you, a, a good word. I really liked when he said it's an ugly play. Like it is definitely, it is definitely not aesthetically pleasing and it definitely doesn't like feel like football to me either. So I, I would have no problem if the NFL said you guys couldn't do this because for most of football history, you couldn't do this. Right. It's a fairly new phenomenon. So to me, like the competition committee will probably look at this year over year and eventually they will wind up changing it. Nah, we'll see. I actually like Cam's argument on this. If every, well, let me put it this way. If everyone starts doing it, they need to get it out of the sport. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, if it is actually an advantage for one team because they're particularly good at it, that actually would be, to me, less of a reason yeah. to take it out. Mm. Coming up, I have critical, critical unsolicited advice that is coming up. Plus, our question of the day is on the way and a whole lot more. We're busy on a football Friday. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space 
to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets but expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Greeny, the podcast. It's a football Friday. Greeny on ESPN Radio. Hambo and Bubba and Cam all here. Huge weekend coming up. And it is scary time for a bunch of teams in the National Football League. Why? Because half of them are 0-1. Well, actually, not quite because Minnesota is now 0-2. The other remaining 30 teams that didn't play last night, 15 of them are 0-1. And that means only 10% of them will make the playoffs if they start off 0-2. Going back to the 1970 merger, and I think it's clear that everything is sort of skewed in a statistic because there used to be fewer teams, and there used to be fewer teams that made the playoffs, and there used to be fewer games in a season. And yet and still, the number is what the number is. Going back to the merger, which is 1970, 405 teams have started 0-2. And only 39 of them, less than 10%, have made the playoffs. 
Only two teams have been the one seed after starting 0-2. Those would have been the Eagles in 03 and the Cowboys the Emmett year in 93. The point is 0-2 is a pretty precarious place to be. So there's a lot of stress and strain on some of the good teams in the NFL that lost last week. Yeah, the Chiefs are, are first and foremost in my mind in that respect because they lose at home to the Lions, of course, without Travis Kelsey, without Chris Jones, and they're going to Jacksonville this weekend to play a really good Jags team that played them tough in the playoffs last year. And the last note you said to me is the most important one. The fact that only two teams have ever started 0-2 and secured the number one seed is very significant for the Chiefs and very significant in the AFC because each of the last five years, the Chiefs have hosted that game. The last time the road to the Super Bowl in the AFC did not go through Kansas City was 2017. Tom Brady started against Blake Bortles in that game. Uh. Brady has since played two more years for the Patriots, three years for the Bucs, and retired. So the, the, this has effectively been the Kansas City Invitational in the AFC Championship game. And if they wind up losing to, uh, on Sunday to Jacksonville, I think you can probably kiss their chances of doing that again goodbye. It's, it's worth mentioning. I know that you know this, but it's worth mentioning. One of those years, the Chiefs were not the one seed. Uh, Tennessee was the one seed that year and got knocked out by Burrow and the Bengals. And then Burrow went to Kansas City. The Chiefs were the two seed, so they hosted the AFC Championship game, and Burrow actually beat him in that building. The point remains, Patrick Mahomes has never in his career played a road playoff game. This is a monster game for Jacksonville. I know it's week two. To me, the Chiefs can absolutely come back from 0-2, particularly because um, their division stinks. The Chargers, I think, are just terribly coached. Uh, the Broncos are awful and the Raiders are awful. So the, the, the Chiefs could win that division at 10-7 and 7 easily. Uh, to your point, not having home playoff games would be significant. But just because Patrick Mahomes has never won on the road in the playoffs doesn't mean he can't. I'm much less interested in Kansas City in this game than I am in Jacksonville. Are the Jaguars ready to take that step? Because I think they have an excellent chance to be the one seed. These teams in the East are going to be beating each other up. Buffalo, the Jets, Miami, even New England is much better than I think we projected them to be. They're going to beat each other to shreds in that division. Baltimore, Cincinnati, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh won't be that bad. That division, wins are going to be hard to come by. KC will win the West going away. Jacksonville will win the South going away. That's it. That says to me, this weekend's game will go a long way towards deciding where that AFC championship game, or at least who the one seed might be. Tiebreaker could be a huge thing there, of course. And what's to Jacksonville's favor, in addition to the fact that they get six games or five more games now against the AFC South, is that they're at, they draw in the NFC, the NFC South. Like, theoretically, the Jacksonville Jaguars should go, at worst, like eight and two in those games. You can theoretically kind of split the rest of the way there. You have the head-to-head over Kansas City. That's a very clear path to the one It's seed. a big game. I mean, some, some games, um, even this early on the schedule, you just know they're going to come back and matter at the end of the year. And I think this is one of those that's going to come back and matter at the end of the year. Why don't we do some picks just while we're on the subject? Let's do a few. Let's pick some of the – we will do the official – or we will do who you got in our second hour where we'll do a whole bunch of them. But let's do a few KOD picks. Hashtag KOD. The kiss of death. Do you have any numbers on that game? Kansas City is a three and a half point favorite at Jacksonville. Right now, 84% of the public handle is on Kansas City, minus three and a half. Wow. 
That's a that's a huge. That is huge usually number. anything above seventy. I go the other way. I mean, it will normalize a little bit, but that looks like the, uh, the the largest swing right now publicly. I think that's probably a lot of built-in Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes with a little extra rest. The number is still pretty small. Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey should be back, but a three and a half point home dog, especially if you think Jacksonville is, good, is as good as you think Jacksonville. Is is a pretty smart play here. Eighty four percent. Eighty four percent of the handle. Bubba, who wins that game? Kansas City at Jacksonville. I think it'll be the Chiefs. I think they'll uh, come back. <laughs> See, you have to stop this. So, so again, for most people, the yeah, like ninety nine percent of our audience is listening on a radio somewhere and cannot see what the two of you look like. Sure. So it is only the people watching on ESPN Plus or the ESPN app, excuse me, who are seeing what you look like. And and so look the great, fact that yeah. it is distracting us That's from doing problem. the show. It's distracting Hembo. You seem fine. Well, no, when they popped Bubba <laughs> up, it did distract me. The two of them, thinking they're being cute, are doing their... Sounds their, like uh, Norvell has a point. <laughs> their best imitations of Deion Sanders today. So they're both wearing hats and sunglasses while producing the show. Show. Bubba's hat is a Mets hat. His his he's wearing a Dak Prescott jersey. He's wearing aviator sunglasses and headphones to produce a radio show. Right. You look you look insane. I mean, I don't even know. I don't know how to describe what you look like. If I walked, I think down, if you I just did pretty clearly. When I leave here today, if I walk past a person coming at me on the street who looks like you look right now, I'm crossing the street. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking to myself, this this feels like an encounter I don't want to have. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I would agree. If there's something like this walking the streets of Manhattan with uh, headphones on, plugged into nothing, um, then yeah, I would. I would probably look the other way too. But. I have a tough time on this pick, by the way, because I have two rules: fade the public and do the opposite. If every instinct you have is wrong, then the opposite would have to be right. Every time I think something's going to happen in a game, I'm wrong. I think Jacksonville is going to win. Which would mean that they, plus the three and a half, that's a lock. But the public is 84% on Kansas City. So that, so my belief tells me I should take the Chiefs because I'm always wrong. This is a conundrum. But the public is more, who's more wrong all the time, the public or me? You. The only problem with that, I would, I would be inclined to agree with you, but. Las Vegas does really well, right? I mean, they have these huge buildings out there in Vegas, right? I mean, this is a billion-dollar industry. It's, it's not because 84% of the people are ever right about anything. I mean, the, the Jags could, I mean, the Chiefs could win by three points here and still not cover, though. They, that's a, it's a big number. Like, three and a half is a big number on the road when you're still kind of a little shorthanded. The Jags are pretty good. So to me, that is too many points, even if you think Kansas City wins the game. All right, but we'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll make the official KOD pick as we go. We'll pick a whole bunch of games with who you got. I've got very important, unsolicited advice coming up off the top of the hour. Don't miss it. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.